It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Back to Green and Growing here on WSB. Thank you so much for being alongside us this Saturday morning. Things slowly getting back to normal, so maybe you're in your car for one of the first weekends cruising around, and we appreciate you sticking with us. And if you're listening in the house, that is great, too, using any kind of streaming device to listen to 95.5 WSB, even our WSB radio app. How are you doing? I know it was an exhausting week for a lot of folks, and I really hope you can at least take the weekend to relax and recover, maybe spend some time with the family. Maybe the pool is open so you can kind of clear your head and just go out and get some fresh air and relax. It's certainly going to be warm today. But, you know, I'm praying for everybody who's lost their jobs. I know a lot of folks are struggling right now, and it's 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 been a rough time for sure. And even if you were safe in the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak, maybe in March and April, but now things are really starting to catch up, people are praying for you. And there are people out there that want to help. So don't isolate yourself. Don't get down thinking that you're alone. Folks can help you. Reach out to your friends. Reach out to your networks. Just let folks know what's going on and maybe what you're looking for and what you're hoping to do. And I know that people will extend a helping hand if they in any way can. So keep your spirits up. Keep the faith. It is summertime. So hopefully you have some things to be looking forward to. But just know you are not alone. And a lot of us are really thinking about you. And it's been an honor and a privilege, too, for all of us here at the station to be able to stay on the air and be with you through all of this, whether it was the coronavirus or the protests and things that went on in the city last weekend and continued this week. We are happy to be here for you and to make you feel safe and keep you in the know and make sure that you are informed and up to date with everything. So thank you. Thank you for being here. So this is hour three of the show. It's been a really good show. I kind of feel like I like being all over the place. There's so much that gardening and green and growing can encompass. So covering uh, beekeeping was actually really fun. And I'm going to be doing a piece here in the next Saturday or two about bluebirds too. So if you ever have any thoughts or any suggestions about things you want to hear on the show, or even things that you know are going on around Metro Atlanta, I'd love to hear about them. So the best way to reach out to me is to find me on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page. And I would love to hear your thoughts on if there's places that I need to travel uh, to get really good stories or interesting people to talk to. People, my friends keep sending me this story. This lady's not in Georgia, but this uh, this older lady, a 100-year-old rhododendron and the woman who planted it. And there's this little lady on a walker. And she's standing next to this maybe like three or four story high rhododendron. I don't think she planted it because if she's 100 years old and the rhododendron's 100 years old, that means she would have been an infant. But nevertheless, like stories like that, I love. And if there's interesting folks like that in Atlanta that we need to get on the radio, I'm happy to do that. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to be going to the Green Meadows Preserve. I'm taking a Japanese maple class today, which I'm so excited about. I've been doing a lot of virtual learning, a lot of like Zoom meetings and online learning and things like that. But it's actually going to be neat to go to a class for the first time in months to be able to be around other people and really get that interaction and that hands-on learning. So if you've got any ideas for that and things you've been doing and ways you've been learning, maybe just talking to neighbors or starting new projects. I know I have a friend, Peggy, who is a big gardener up in Canton. She is starting her own hellebores, her own Lenten rose, because they drop the seed pods now. And she's like, you know, propagating plenty of hellebores 
from those seed pods. So that's kind of fun. You have a lot of pots, you have the soil, you have the workbench, you have the space to be able to do that. And it's something you're going to be able to share with others. So, yep, looking forward to the month. There's a lot going on and eventually going to uh, visit, hopefully at the end of the month, a turf farm and kind of let you know how that goes. I got to travel out of Atlanta a little bit for that. So we've had questions this morning about hydrangeas not blooming, about dahlias not blooming. And I lamented on the Facebook page just a week ago about my peony not blooming at all. It's maybe four years old. All it's ever done is one big bloom. And I think that was last year. One big white bloom. And and another listener emailed me and she was sad that hers only had five. I was like, Ugh. Mine had one last year and none this year. So I got some really good feedback. That was a very vigorous discussion on the Green and Growing Facebook page about peonies. A lot of folks were doing pretty well, multicolors, and that's really cool. So they needed those chill hours. They needed those cold hours over the wintertime to set buds. And it was just such a mild winter. They didn't really get that. And if you haven't planted peonies before, they're so rewarding as long as they bloom. But they need afternoon shade morning sun is going to be best for them. They don't want to bake in the hot temperatures. And it's all about planting them, right? Planting is key. You don't want to plant them too deep. They like being planted very, very shallow. The pink little noses that come out of the tubers when you plant them, which maybe was a few months back, that really needs to be showing above the ground. Now, when they don't get mulched in the wintertime, that's actually a good thing. If you don't have mulch in the wintertime so that they think they can really get that chill and maybe that frost on the ground, the thing that they need. But now that we are in the summertime, it's important to mulch almost everything in your landscape, whether you've got, you know, the vegetable garden going, certain trees, bushes. Uh, We talked to someone earlier about hellebores and hostas and things like that, just to, to insulate the plant. And if nothing else, too keep the water from splashing back up in the leaves because we talked about roses earlier in the show with Walter and they're so prone to diseases right now and moisture and water is one of those big things too. So that was an avid discussion and dahlias too. If dahlias are something that you're interested in, I kind of think of them and peonies in the same family. They're not at all, but I just think of these huge blooms, these plants that I've just not had good luck with at all. Tips on growing dahlias too. Very easy to do, but they're very picky with water. If they don't get enough water, they won't bloom. But if they get too much, some of the roots are going to rot as well. So you really have to be on the lookout for that and make sure to plant it, you know, like a little raised so it's not shallow in somewhere where water is going to pond. And they're best in full sun. So like 10 to 12 hours is not too much for a dahlia plant at all. Well-drained soil, like I said, planted a little high fertilize, of course, but not too much because when you apply just an all-purpose plant fertilizer, nitrogen's that first number when you see 10, 10, 10 or something like that. Nitrogen's that first number. And for flowering plants like dahlias and peonies and things like that, that's really great. The nitrogen is really good for putting on the greenery and more stems and more leaves, but that's not so much helping the buds and the flowers and things like that. So something may be a little lower in nitrogen. And again, good mulch around dahlias too because they really need to be consistent with water and heat and all of that. So two inches or more of mulch is going to be a really, really good thing. 404-872-0750 is the number for Green and Growing. We can take your calls for the rest of the hour until 9 o'clock. And at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have Desiree Hyman from Pike Nursery sharing with us what we need to be on the lookout for at the nurseries this weekend. I know I returned to Pike Nursery 
just the other day with my mom for the first time in months. And it was such a relief. God, it was hot out in the greenhouse. But it was such a relief to be out there and to be able to shop and just kind of stroll and, and take your time. There's so many really beautiful things to be planting right now. Petunias may be a little hard to find. I know everybody swooped those up in the beginning of spring when they were able to, but you've still got so many color options. Zinnias, you know, they grow taller though. So I've done them in planter boxes before and they just are a little too tall and a little too leggy for planter boxes. But if you've just got a flower bed, zinnias or zinnias, it depends on how you say it, they're going to be great. And also impatience, sun patience. You haven't seen those in the nurseries for quite some time because downy mildew was a problem years back. A lot of you were shaking your head like, yeah, I remember that. So now they kind of have resistant strains where we're having a little bit better luck with that. And also begonias and geraniums are everywhere. Someone recently asked me for a recommendation for a hanging basket. So if you don't want to go the fern route, and that's so much more you know, on you to, to remember to water ferns and things like that. But begonias and geraniums, I think, are awesome in hanging baskets. That's something that's really going to be easy for you. And I bought purslane, portulaca, which is like some little succulent little growing. I had a video about it on Facebook not too long ago, and that was really popular because it's, it's a succulent cactus looking spiny kind of thing, but it produces really cool flowers and it spreads. And it's just really fun to have on a balcony or a patio. 404-872-0750. Coming up after the break, we'll talk to Chris and Brazelton. A question about why his knockout rose won't bloom. We have an answer for there. And uh, someone from Winder, planting apple trees too close to cedar trees. Why that is a problem. Coming up on Green and Growing. Coming up on 817, Mike Shields is going to check traffic for you here on 95.5 WSB. I have so many tabs open on my computer, I kind of get lost where I am. So this is where we do the weather. So first I have to pull that up. Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brad Nitz has been telling you all morning long that it's going to be hot and it's going to be humid. And they've just updated now up to a 30% chance for some thunderstorms in metro Atlanta throughout the day. But a mix of sun and clouds, it's going to be around 90 degrees today, hot and humid. Lows only reached around 70, and tomorrow much the same, mostly cloudy. High of around 87, low around 69. Green and Growing Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Going to get through these three basic things pretty quickly so we can get to your calls. Number one, it's a great time to prune azaleas and rhododendrons before they set next year's flower buds. Most are already done blooming, so that's okay. Number two, divide and transplant irises. A lot of you ask about that. Dig them up, you can split them, and then just cut the leaves back to six inches. They still need some foliage on there to be able to bloom next year, and that kind of feeds back the plant, so leave that. Hey, Dale, how are you? And number three, (laughs) control black spot and powdery mildew on roses. We talked to Walter earlier in the show. Now is a really good time to be on the lookout for that. So alternate something like fungicides like daconil and bonide infused so the plant doesn't become resistant to one or the other fertilize, make them really strong, make them really healthy. You can use either granular or liquid, doesn't matter, whatever you prefer, and look for pests like spider mites, aphids, and Japanese beetles, and don't forget to look on the undersides of the leaves for sure. 404-872-0750. Is your name Kaz? Yeah, this is Cass. I go by Farmer Cass. Hey, Cass and Winder, what are you calling about? Something really interesting. I wanted an orchard really bad so last fall i got a bunch of trees at the end of the season i got a sweet deal on them i put them in the ground didn't think anything about planting them too close to cedar trees in the spring we noticed um that there were kind of like some yellowish uh brown rings on the leaves and the leaves were starting to fold up Mm -hmm. 
looked it up and we realized there's a there's a name for it and uh when you plant apple trees too close to cedar trees uh and so what can you tell me about that and what can we spray on those trees to save them they're probably like four-year-old trees they stand about six seven feet tall yeah so just as the name would imply and it's super easy to remember cedar apple rust so you'll see the gall like a bulbous large just discolored either brown or orange just something jelly-like that does not look natural on the cedar trees so that cedar apple rust it's a major problem for commercial apple apple growers too if there's any cedar trees that are nearby and they both serve as hosts for the disease and with the apple tree i think it could you know actually uh defoliate it and remove the leaves you know the leaves would start to drop off so the rust spores can affect apples within like half a mile, could even be further than that. So that's really a problem. So there is a product, Immunox, and you know, read the label on the Immunox, and that's going to break the, the life cycle of it, but it just depends how far into it you are. My gosh, that's such a bad problem to have. And I mean, commercial apple growers, too, have been known to just remove any of the cedar trees in the area. Mm, that's so tough. You can also, like, if, if you see the galls on the cedar, you're not as concerned with the cedars, but you can remove them and take them off. But the apple trees, you're just really going to have to, that's going to be so tough. And honestly, now I don't know, Cass, I can't tell you if it's like, you know, soil born, if once the apples have it, if it's going to be prevalent, you know, in the following seasons or not. I'm just not sure about that. So what I want you to do to find out a little bit more just systemically about how this is going to create, you know, a long-term effect on the apples, go to extension.uga.edu, the University of Georgia's website, extension.uga.edu, and type in cedar apple rust. And really that'll give you a little bit more in-depth, you know, plan for how to attack that. But that really is is not the worst thing that could happen to the apples. So I do have a little bit, you know, of a good feeling for you, but you're so smart to be identifying it now and to be getting ahead of it now. 404-872-0750. Still want to talk to Chris in Brazelton if you'll hang on talking about his knockout roses. Phyllis is looking for a particular flower that I'm trying to help her with. White cloves or clover maybe covering the grass in Conyers and Tom in Canton. Weed killer and if that had an effect on pollinators or not. So your calls and Pike Nursery coming up in less than eight minutes here on 95.5 WSB. Stay tuned. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. All right, we're in the home stretch here. Half an hour left to go on Green and Growing. It's been a fun show. And if you missed any of it, whether it was Walter and I talking about roses and all the issues that could come up this time of year and really good ideas for control and pest prevention and all of that, or whether you liked the interview with Roy Orbison Jr., that was cool. And there's an extended version online as well that you can listen to that I wasn't able to air all of it. And beekeeping, all of that is going to be on WSBradio.com Monday. Hopefully I'm going to do it tomorrow, but... Monday at the latest, go to wsbradio.com, click on On Demand, and then you can hear each hour separately of the show 
or highlighted interviews that just stand alone. So for the rest of the morning, you got Dave Baker in the house. Home Fix It show starts at 9, goes till noon. Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living, that is 1 to 3. And as you've heard Robin Walensky mention this morning, UGA versus Auburn from 1992. So you're going to get Larry Munson yet again, 1992. That game coming on the air at 3 o'clock this afternoon right here on your Home of the Dogs, 95.5. WSB. Desiree Hyman from Pike Nursery. It's been a couple of weeks, but so glad to have you back. Welcome to the show. Perfect. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning. So you did me a favor. I'm really excited about, I think it's like National Pollinators Month, quite frankly, but they highlight National Pollinators Week coming up the last week in June. So we're going to hold off a pretty exciting, you know, discussion about that the Saturday before that because that's on all of our minds and we just had some beekeepers on too so that was pretty fun so thank you for doing that but I know y'all never have a shortage of plants you want to highlight and make (laughs) folks aware of because things are getting back to normal at the nurseries now. Yes and part of the fun with gardening is that it touches so many senses so you know of course it's beautiful to look at the texture the touch, but today we want to focus on a couple of plants that have a really, really amazing fragrance. Fragrance and taste. So we're hitting up a couple yeah, of senses and here. Taste. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what do you have for us? So we're going to talk about two of our favorite fragrant herbs, and it's rosemary and lavender. Mm. And they're two of the most popular for a very good reason. And they're also great because you can plant them together. So they're plants that both love full sun and need well-draining soil. So, you know, if it ever gets really dry, don't worry about it once they're established. They like those conditions. Here we have to worry about just making sure we have, you know, good draining soil because, you know, we've hit the rain every afternoon yes. uh, season of the year. Ugh, yeah. So when you look at rosemary, obviously we you know it's super, super aromatic. It has that really fresh, woodsy fragrance. Um, which is interesting because that fragrance, you know, there's lots of studies that say it helps ease stress, which I think we all need right now. And it can also help repel some bugs. So always a good thing when we're enjoying our backyard. Do you know if it repels deer? I don't really know that, but that's one of the first things I think when I think of repelling pests. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think it repels deer, but I'm assuming it's not uh, one of the favorite things that they like to eat, unlike some of like some of our other, you know, flowering plants. But for us, I mean, rosemary, my gosh, you can use that on potatoes, cooking with different meats. I mean, it's so versatile. And a lot of folks that really enjoy growing it have discovered that, I mean, it's perennial, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, I think it almost gets better with time when the, you know, the branches get a little bit thicker and you can kind of use those as skewers or whatnot, or, you know, the rosemary, um, you know, even use it with roasted veggies. So, it's a really good, versatile herb. Good. And then lavender, I think people don't think of quite as much of for culinary uses, but it actually you can pair rosemary and lavender together, and it's just kind of a softer version. I mean, obviously, we know the benefits of, you know, the fragrance of lavender, you know, very much known for its stress relief, and then such a gorgeous plant Mm -hmm. uh, in the garden with those purple flowers or purple and white flowers or even some that are almost kind of a pink color. Lavender's beautiful, and it's such a good way to relax. I think I've been given, like, headache pillows over the last few years, and it's got, Mm -hmm. you know, dried (laughs) lavender in it, but that scent lasts Uh forever. Yeah, and it's kind of fun. You can actually dry the flowers so that you can make lavender-infused sugar. So kind of a fun way to, you know, 
take a little, make your lemonade a little bit more interesting or even any of your cookies or anything else that you may be baking. So, so that's with the lavender know, flowers. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really neat. Yeah, and you can use them to garnish, you know, salads or desserts. So, you know, two of our really, really favorite, you know, fragrant and great tasting herbs. So rosemary and lavender, if you don't have it in your garden and you want a low maintenance plant that takes full sun, those are some really, really great options. And especially if you have kids, you know, you want to make the garden interactive. So, you know, kind of that that scent and taste is a really fun way to get the kids involved as well. And well-draining soil, like you mentioned, especially with the rosemary. So does that mean we have to plant it in raised beds or containers or do folks have success just plopping it right in the yard? You can put it in the yard as well. It's just making sure that we, you know, you amend that the soil really, really well because the dense clay likes to, you know, obviously keep that moisture. So make sure that you really work in that soil so that, you know, it does get the proper drainage that it's going to need to thrive. All right. And one last question. So when we go into the Pike Nursery stores, where in mm-hmm. the store are herbs located? I'm sure they're all grouped together, but where would we find those? They, they are. So they're going to be, you're going to walk into the greenhouse you're going to see all the gorgeous flowers and they're usually right at the end of the table uh, with the gorgeous flowers so it's right with the herbs and veggies Um, but obviously you know there's many things to distract you when you get in so if you can't (laughs) find it any of our associates would be you know, happy to guide you along the way and also help you pick the perfect varieties as well. They really have. I was looking for a few very certain things when I went to the Town Lake Pike Nursery just three days ago, and I had three different people help me, and it was just so nice. It was like they were almost relieved to be interacting with customers again. You know, y'all have missed us, and we've missed you too. Yeah, it's it's much more fun, you know, helping people with their garden projects and, you know, sharing our experience and also hearing about, you know, all of everyone's gardens. That, that's the fun of it. The Garden Center is a very community-based place that we like to share, you know, what's going on in our gardens and all the excitement that goes with it. It is. I love it. And I love that everything's getting back to normal for you all. So for anyone who needs to find a location near them or just more information maybe about inventory, where do they go? Yep. Yep. Check out our website, pikenursery.com. Or if you want some inspiration and some great tips, Follow us on social media, whether that's Facebook or Instagram, at Pike Nurseries. Wonderful. Thank you, Desiree, for taking the time to call this morning. Always great to hear from you. Yeah, have a good one, Ashley. Thank you. All right, you. you too. So fragrant herbs, guys, rosemary and lavender, just two among many that you can pick up at Pike Nursery. Great. Oh, no, Chris hung up about his knockout roses. So I think, Justin, he had said, if you remember, they weren't blooming, I think. So that is uncharacteristic for um, for knockouts because they're such prolific bloomers. So there may be something deeper going on. Maybe, hopefully not Rose Rosette. Jason, what do you think? Yeah, well, I I spoke to him and he said that he had uh, just done the fungicide that you uh, recommended. Mm-hmm. Dacanil. Yeah, Dacanil. And um, deadheaded it and nothing has come back ever since. Hmm. So deadheading is recommended for sure. And, you know, you'll see the new growth as you deadhead things, the new growth that's that red and then becomes green. So, Chris, maybe have a little more patience. You definitely did not hurt the... uh, Definitely did not hurt the knockouts with the fungicide with Dacanil. 404-872-0750. Phyllis calling from Atlanta. Good morning, Phyllis. Good morning, Ashley. Before I ask my quick question, I wanted to mention last week during your program's abbreviated format, you mentioned the Extension Center website. I noted it. I pulled it up. Oh, my goodness. 
you can get an entire education from going on to that website. Yes. It is almost like receiving a degree for free. It is fantastic, and I thank you so much. Yeah, Um, so many wonderful people with the University of Georgia have just collected all of the knowledge there. And the the part that I find the best, extension.uga.edu is the website, is when you go under publications. And that's where whenever I tell you all to go back and look up whatever plant or tree or flower you're having issues with, and you go under publications, then you can search for whatever it is you're looking for. Guaranteed, there's a ton of stuff there. So that's great, Phyllis. Good, good. And I'm I'm also very much interested in soil chemistry, so that's been very, very helpful. Here's my question. Years ago, um, when I was just doing flower gardens, I would combine French orange marigolds Mm. with a flower. I would put this flower in the front because it's Mm low-growing. It is called Argeratum, Mm -hmm. A-R-G-E-R-A-T-U-M. And it's a low-growing, deep, bluish-purple flower. And contrasted with the French orange marigolds, oh, it was just beautiful. It was such an eye-catcher as a border. I have been searching for that and searching for that. I have not been able to locate it here in Georgia for years. And I go to the various garden centers, the various nurseries. I don't see it anywhere. My computer's on the glitch right now. You know, I should probably have just Googled it. But you're on the phone, yeah. and you're a lovely lady to talk with, and you're a wonderful information source. So, you know, can I find our geratum here? Can, you know, is it no longer growing well in Georgia well, and I'm glad, or in the metro area? I'm glad you called about it and had held on long enough for me to have time to reach out to some sources, including Desiree, who we just heard from, from Pike Nursery. I know there are certain growers that do it, like Proven Winners is one of the growers that has it. Monrovia, it doesn't appear that they do, and I know it is kind of regional, but uh, the University of Missouri has actually done a lot of work on them, too. They're also called Floss Flower. They tolerate deer and rabbits. That's really cool. As you mentioned, Blue Horizon is one of the varieties. Phyllis, it's beautiful. It's blue. Um, so Pike Nursery, they only have Ageratum in the spring, in the early spring, because it doesn't do well in the heat. So I know in different climates, it could have tolerated, you know, being with marigolds side by side, because the marigolds are going to tolerate the heat a lot better than uh, Ageratum. Ageratum, yeah, there's no R-A-G-E-R-A-T-U-M, but ne- nevertheless, yeah. So that may have been something that if some of the Pike Nursery locations had it, they're now out of it because they're having to cycle now and do a whole different, you know, classification of plants now that we're getting into what whatever needs to really be heat tolerant. So don't give up on it, Phyllis, but maybe I'd get an earlier go on it. I, you know, I bought marigolds back in, I think, like early April. So maybe that early on when you start looking at that, Go ahead and look for, for it at the nursery there. Uh, floss flower. Yeah, that's a great one. And you're right, the contrast. And something else, too, that's earlier in the season that's blue. If you have trouble finding this, there's black and blue salvia. The delphinium. I am just in love with delphinium. I know they come in all different colors, but the blue is just so eye-catching. It's gorgeous. Phyllis, always good to hear from you. Lighty and Conyers and Tom and Canton, y'all hang on. We'll be right back on Green and Growing. This is Ashley Frasca on WSB. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB. WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Here's Ashley. 
Thank you, Scott. Three hours always breezes by. So we've had a fun show today. For any of it, go back to WSBRadio.com in the on-demand section on Monday. You'll be able to listen to all three hours of the special interviews, extended versions with both Roy Orbison Jr. and with the beekeepers. The amateur beekeepers, Swampy and Shelby, had a great time talking with them. So Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update really quickly. Looking at maybe a 30% chance for some uh, isolated storms today. A mix of sun and clouds, humid. Oh my gosh, it's going to be hot. Close to 90 degrees. And the same tomorrow, maybe only 87. Woohoo, not much difference. But mostly cloudy, 10% chance for rain. 404-872-0750. Lighty in Conyers, thanks for hanging on. You're on Green and Growing. Good morning, Ashley. You're doing a great job. Thank you. I want to ask you... I had a time trying to get my yard going because I couldn't get out there, and I got it going. It's pretty and green. Now I'm fighting with the white clove. What can I do to that without killing my grain? Yeah, so white clover, big problem. The stuff can take over for sure. So philosophically, the first thing you want to do is make sure you have a healthy lawn because the tougher the grass is, the deeper the roots are, it's going to be able to fight out a lot of those unwanted weeds that we don't want. So fertilization, staying on that schedule, you know, fertilizing twice a year, maybe just once a year, depending on how healthy you get your lawn is so key. And deep watering less frequently, like maybe once a week, but a deep watering each week that you do need to water if there's been no rain. But for you right now with the clover, Bonide has a product that's chickweed clover and oxalis killer. So it's got clover in the name, but it's made by Bonide. It's like a purple and green label. That's a really easy spray. One application usually works, but you may have to wait uh, you know, one or two, three weeks to, to redo it if necessary. But it's just a very easy spray. You don't want to do it around flower beds and vegetable gardens, but just on the weeds themselves, being able to do a direct spray, not when it's windy. Um, that is safe for, you know, clover that's growing in Bermuda, fescue, anything like that. A little trickier when you get to centipede lawn in St. Augustine grass. So just look for Bonide, their clover killer lighty. That is going to help you out. All right, we have time really quickly up to Canton again this morning. That's been a hot spot. Good morning, Tom. Good morning. <clears throat> yeah, I had a question for you about weed killer. My, uh, earlier last week, my son used some stateside weed and grass killer to, uh, around his porch, and I noticed for the last, this day number five, that there's been no pollinators in the area. Honeybees, yellow jackets, carpenter bees, everything just vanished. And I was kind of curious if that was, uh, would have a long-term effect or if it's just temporary. I don't think it's going to be a long-term effect, and I'm so glad you're making those observations because that's something really important. We don't think about that. We just think of it as harming the weeds, which is what we want to do, the herbicides, but don't really think about the effect. You know, any spray that lands on a blooming weed ultimately ends up in the bee's diet, right? They digest it. So maybe mow off the blooms from the weeds before then applying the herbicide. That way the bees aren't going to be attracted to it if it doesn't have a bloom on it. Always don't, well, always Never spray on a windy day because that's going to carry it from place to place. Uh, The University of Michigan has a great, great publication about that, some scientific research they've done on herbicide application and how it affects pollinators and better ways to protect pollinators. So if you Google like Michigan State, Michigan State University, their extension has a great publication on that, Tom. But not to worry, just be very careful in applying the herbicides right time of the evening, not windy, and that might be a little better. Well, we've got to go. It's been a great Saturday morning. Thank you so much for the encouragement and the support for one another.
gardening is a blast. I hope you get to enjoy some this weekend. Take care, and I'll talk to you Monday morning with Triple Team Traffic. Take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.